Hello again, everyone, and welcome to today's show. If you're one of the 130 million people that are dealing with SIRS, Lyme disease, autoimmune disease, or other conditions that are impacted by mold on a daily basis, and you need to learn how to eliminate that exposure, then you're in the right place. My name is Brian Carr, and you're listening to Mold Finders Radio. Hey everyone, what is going on today? It's a very special day. Today is going to be the first live recording of Mulfinders Radio. I'm actually doing this live. I'm doing it on Clubhouse and I'm going to have Dr. Jill Krista come on and she's going to join me and uh, we're basically going to do this thing in real time. Uh, and so for those of you who are listening on the podcast, if you're hearing this afterwards, uh, basically the way that these things are going to work is I'm going to kind of give a heads up and if folks want to jump into the room and kind of be a part of these conversations, then they can, right? So, uh, today how this flow is going to work is, uh, Dr. Krista and I, we're going to chat about some stuff. Uh, the overview here is that, um, Dr. Jill's actually, uh, just created a, a new mold specific training course, which is also very affordable, which is nice. Um, and it's the nine things to know while you're still in mold. So what we're going to do today is kind of like touch on those and, and, and get a feel for her thoughts on that stuff and, uh, and, and have a chat. And at the end, if we have time and there's anyone in here that has questions, maybe we'll take a couple questions. So that's the flow. So, Hey, Jill, she's back. Hey, what's going on? Hey, can you hear me? Okay. I can. Um, All right. Maybe if you could be a smidge louder, that would help. Oh, sure. <laughs> it can be louder. I can. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh, that's that, uh, that better. Um, no, are, still no, huh? Yeah, still no. You're still a little not super, super loud. Dang. Okay, let me try this. Let me do some headphone situation here. All right. Hey, we got a couple people in the room. This is hey, exciting. Right. This, this is like we're sitting in like front of a room and having like a real talk. I, this, this, this vibe of the podcast moving forward, I'm going to be super into, I'm really excited about this. <laughs> so this is, this is going to be cool. Um, all right. So, so let's test you out now. How you sound? How's this? How's this? Is this better? Um, is it me? Am I not allowed to try again? Uh, okay. Oh. Is this, how's this? There it is. That's it. That's money. That's, that's okay. what it is. Cool. Awesome. Everyone, Dr. Jill, say hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so this is going to be episode 100. So for those of you who have checked out the pod before, uh, Jill was my first, my first actual guest ever on episode 50. So I did the first 49 of the thing of these things, just me ranting on my own, wandering around my daughter's nursery pacing. Um, and, and Jill was my first guest and it's exciting. And now 50 episodes later, I thought it'd be super cool to have you back. So thanks for coming back. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that yeah. was fifty on my fiftieth, so that was pretty fun. God, that's right, it was. Yeah, oh, yeah. What a what a day. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so yeah, I kind of set up where you jumped on, but but I really wanted to sort of talk about what you just put out, this resource that you put out. Um, those of you who don't know Dr. Jill, I'd be kind of surprised if you know me. You probably know her, um, but she wrote the book Break the Mold, amazing book. Um, super helpful for people. 
And so things that she puts out there is actually valuable, guys. Um, and so when uh, we were talking uh, last week, right, and, and you had mentioned that you were doing this thing, I was like, oh, we should come on and like talk about this and dive into it a little bit and just give a, a breakdown of some of the information that's there. So that's what I was hoping uh, that we could do today. So, so maybe just give kind of a quick overview of what this thing is, and we can kind of dive into some of the general topics, and then you and I can kind of riff back and forth on stuff and, and get our thoughts. Yeah, nice. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for inviting me back on. It's really amazing. It's so amazing the work that you do. It's wonderful as a body expert who really knows enough about building inspection remediation to be dangerous. Um, it's nice to be able to have you as a resource to say, you know, if you have a question like that, go check out Brian's podcast <laughs> because that's you. You're just such a resource for people. So uh-huh. I want to just commend you on that and and how valuable what you're doing is for people who are really struggling and struggling with something that affects their brain. You know, so you can't, it's hard to make good decisions when you, if you're brain affected. No, it's, it's, it's definitely true. I feel like you're buttering me up a little bit. It's fine. You're already on the second time. I don't know if anyone no, else has been I know. on. <laughs> I'm just going for three. I'm going for the future third. <laughs> the future third. No, thanks. I, you know, for, for people that don't know, like how Jill and I met, we met at a medical conference. How many years ago was it? Was it three years ago now? I think it was like three years ago at TFIM in Seattle. Mm, or good question. Up in that area. Mm-hmm. And it was before... Your book had kind of come out, but it wasn't finalized yet. And so that'd be four years ago. So it's four years ago that we met. Mm-hmm. And we met randomly at this medical conference and totally hit it off. We were talking. And then the next thing I know, when the book formally came out, we inspect was a referred company in the back end appendix, which wasn't there at the beginning. I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's, that's how we first met a long time ago. But Yeah. 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 And I remember sitting at the lunch table... Um, I was answering a question on a naturopathic chat group about air sampling and you were on one side and Corey was on the other side. And I was like, what do I tell them? And you guys just like fed me this sentence by sentence education. I was learning. I was able to share it with, you know, 3000 naturopathic doctors. It was just amazing. I thought this is going to be an incredible working collaboration because it's going to spread this solid knowledge so quickly. I remember that. I forgot until you just said that, but I remember that. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. We were like sitting there, like writing out the response together. To like, yeah, oh, yeah. And you were teaching me, and then I'm like, oh, okay. How can I say this that an naturopathic doctor will understand? And yeah, it was great. Was <laughs> so cool. Anyway, so <laughs> for those of you who wonder why we chat, this is why we chat because we met each other and we like each other, so it's cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So let so tell us what you what you got going on. So what is what is uh, what is this thing that you just put together? And we can kind of dive into some of the topics and give some of the highlights of stuff. Yeah. So I created a course to answer the question I commonly hear that I most hear. So I get a lot of emails all the time. We read every single one, um, and so often I'm hearing, "Well, I'm stuck. I can't get out of mold. Either my employer doesn't believe me, and I can't find another job yet." or I can't get moved to another department in a different part of the building, or I'm in a lease and I can't get out. So there's a lot of um, sense of disempowerment for people because they they are in a situation that's very real where my number one thing of getting better from mold is avoidance. Well, what if avoidance isn't possible right now? What if there's a delay? And is it even worth doing anything? Do you just sit as a, you know, kind of like, disempowered um, 
and not be able to do anything while you're working on the solution to get out of mold. So I created this course called Nine Things to Know While You're Still in Mold. Words have a lot of power. So I'm not using the word stuck because I don't want to reinforce that. I want to use the word still because then it reinforces that, okay, you are in this situation where you can't get out of mold yet, but we all are in agreement that you do need to get out. So um, some of my colleagues are a little frustrated that I created this because they say, oh no, you've just given pre people permission to, you know, keep being a mold denier. And that's just not the experience that I've had. I've had people feel truly paralyzed by their work or lease or home situation um, or, you know, they're at school and it's school housing. You know, there are certain situations that are very limiting and very real and there are so many things that you can do more than nine things but I tried to narrow it down to some nine core things that you can do so that when you do get out of mold you're coming out of it a in a better place than had you done nothing so that was the whole point of creating this yeah I think that's great because I think sometimes to your point you go around on the internet you go into the Facebook groups right and it says until you're out, your life is basically over, right? Yeah. <laughs> like right. just burn down the house, deal with being sick. Don't even try to get better. It's a disaster. If any mold is around you, you're just going to roll over and die. So why even try? And, right. and it's just, it, it's not realistic. Like, yeah, I, I say this a lot, like on the, the home side of stuff, right? Like there's, there's like the, the, if you did something in a controlled laboratory setting point of view, and then there's the I live in the real world point of view and <laughs> nobody lives in a lab that's a controlled lab. So like you talk to some doctors like, well, you know, you can't ever get better until you get out of it. Like, of, sure, yeah, duh, thanks. Right. That's why we paid you for the consult. It's right. we know that. Right. But that, but you can't live like you are doing like research papers. You know, you actually have to help right. people like navigate situations. That's why I like a lot of what you're doing, because it's, it's helping to empower people with that stuff. Right. And so, so that's, that's why this thing is really cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about it. It's an hour. I mean, it's a, it's <laughs> not a short thing. I, I tend to be a little um, verbose apparently, but it's an hour because it is dense and you get a PDF that comes along with it. Um, it gives you specific actionable information, just like my book. I tried to make sure that, you know, mold-brained people would have steps and the steps would be laid out and it would be very clear. Um, and I tried to do the same thing with this course and, uh, and corresponding handout. So it can become this resource that you can either, you know, save to your phone as a PDF or put, you know, print out if you're not too afraid of paper. <laughs> because that is something that, you know, mold-sick people are like, oh, I don't know if I can have paper. Um, so, you know, there's a PDF, it's digital if you need it, and um, you can take notes on it and all of that so that you can really customize your plan um, during the months that it's taking to either get out of your lease or change your job location or something like that. Cool. All right. So can we can we do just quick, there's nine things. Can we rattle off the nine things? Sure. Yeah. Number one, I mean, the biggest question that I get is, is it even worth doing anything? And so number one is, yes, start treatment. <laughs> it's so yeah. important. Sure. Number two is air filtration. Not a big surprise. Um, number three is exposure reduction. There's some real key things that you can do to reduce the exposure, especially to mycotoxins. 
Um, number four is a low mold, high binder diet. So some specific dietary recommendations to make sure that you're reducing your mold and mycotoxin exposure and binding through food. Um, number five is prevent colonization. So there's some specific things that you can do to keep the colonization down. So that's not a big barrier or hurdle to jump out over once you get out of mold. Um, number six, you're going to love this one. Duty is your duty. <laughs> and yeah, I do mean number two. So like I say in the handout, your number one prior body priority while you're being exposed is number twos. That's so funny. I literally just went back to like elementary school and made a duty joke in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I know I had to. I was like, you you know, poop is your duty. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. That's not funny enough at all. So, no, yeah, this, this is set up on a silver duty. platter right now. You got to take yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then number seven is protect. A lot of the things that I write about in my book that are protective, they give to animals full well knowing they're going to be in a moldy barn or eating moldy food. So let's take that lesson from animal research and, and give it to ourselves in our own feed. Um, number eight is the big question, to detox or not to detox? And that's where we talk about accumulation versus detoxification, which we talked about on the last podcast. If people want to get more detail, it's on number 50. It's on 50. Um, and then nine and final is the well-meaning but not helpful things to do while you're still in mold. So your mold literate doctor may be really, you know, gung-ho and trying to give you certain things. There are certain things that in my experience have really flared my patients and um, made them worse for trying to make them better. While When you're still in mold, things can act a little differently for treatment. Awesome. Okay, cool. So this is the overview. So this is like the little clip for people. This is just the quick overview of stuff. So what I'd like to do for the next like short period of time, maybe let's just hit on each one of those, give like, you know, one or two sort of highlights on each one of those, right? So we kind of have a feel for generally where you're coming from. And then if people want more information, they can go get it. And if they don't, and they feel like they learned enough, then good for them. They learned enough too. And that works too. Yeah, right. So, exactly. Um, yeah. So let's start, let's start at the top. So yes, start treatment, right? I've, yes. I've heard this too. It's like, don't start. We just talked about this. So, so what does that mean? That means I can tell people with Full confidence. This is from my experience treating many, many, many hundreds of people, probably thousands of people. It is beneficial to start despite your exposure situation. It's so, you know, I, it's the data that I'm pulling, which I, I need to publish sometime, but it's just my own little markers in my head that I'm keeping track of. The people that did start treating in a safe way and in an, in an informed way got so much better, so much faster once they got out of their moldy environment. So yes, start treatment and with an asterisk, make sure, you know, avoidance is still your number one priority. But these are things that you can do where you can not only feel empowered, it's not just um, giving you a task like, you know, and when a woman's going into birth and they have the guy go get water boiling, you know, that's just to kind of make the guy have something to do so that he feels like he's doing something, that kind of thing. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about real things that have measurable changes and make measurable differences once you get out of your exposure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's so important, right? Because I, I mean, I obviously I work with a lot of people in the home piece of it, right? And I do this initial talk with them, very similar to like if you're going to work with a doctor, there's an onboarding process, you know, history, all that stuff, right? And, mm -hmm. and I've, I've literally had clients that have been like, my doctor said they won't treat me 
unless I'm out of the mold. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, listen, guys, I'm not going to tell you what to do with your doctor, right? Like, I don't know who they are, but I mean, do you feel good about that? Like, <laughs> like, does that make you feel okay? Like, just, just think about that, you know? Um, let, let me ask you like a quick, it's not really follow-up. It's like an adjacent question, basically. So sorry, I only do follow-ups. Only five. No, I should have. I should have cleared this through your through your team before <laughs> I, I gave you a, an adjacent question. Um, okay, so let's say we find a number of things in a house. Let's say there's ten things that we find, right? To, so when I say ten things, I mean there's ten like source areas where there's an issue. Those sources are obviously moving through the house. There's exposure issues going on, right? Um, let's say somebody can't remediate everything. Okay, so. Is there benefit for people, and I know everyone's going to be different, right? Because I'm sure, you know, kind of their their individuality in terms of what their load is and kind of all the other stuff mm-hmm. that's going on with them will impact that. Mm-hmm. But just like generally speaking, I guess, there's still benefit in doing what you can in your space if that's your best option. Yeah. So like even if there is still some exposure left, if you reduce, let's say you're reducing exposure by like 50%, is there still benefit there for that person? Would they would they potentially still see an uh, a, um, you know, kind of a, a, an increase in, in their overall, you know, health, I guess. It's not the best way to say it, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I totally know what you're saying. And I love this question so much and I get it a lot. And so I, I give them the, um, the reference of smoking, which is another known, you know, aerated toxin. If you went from two packs a day to four cigarettes a day, would that be improvement? You know, so yes, of course, lowering your load taking some action and we have to remember in occupational studies they show that half the people that get that get out of that building get better on their own we don't usually hear that side of the story right because you know we're trying to defend the one or two members of the family that are symptomatic not and trying to convince the one or two members of the family that aren't yet symptomatic that they that that's a real thing so you know we're sort of like focused in our biases toward defending the sick people that this is a real thing. But what we can lose sight of is that there's one or two members of the family that aren't yet sick from it. They will be eventually with the amount of exposure, um, but they're not. And that, that message of hope also is really important for people to hear that by just getting out of the building, that coin flip, you could be on the heads or the tails side of that and just be better. So why not take the steps that you can take Let's say it's a it's a financial issue, which that's the case for a lot of my patients. They could only afford to do the bathroom, to do the tear out, and definitely not the rebuild, and couldn't afford to do the master bedroom tear out because they they need to make more money, you know. So it's going to take six months before they can rebuild the coffers to be able to do the next stage, and even that first tear out, if we go to the the worse space. Um, that improves people's symptoms. It clears up heads. It reduces fatigue. They can probably show up better for their jobs. Um, that might actually help the financial state. <laughs> yeah. And then they can move forward with the next step and the next step. So every step matters and does make a difference. I love that you clear that up because I tell people that too, right? But then it's always like, well, you know, I'm not a doctor, right? <laughs> so like, it's like... <laughs> And, and, you know, I give analogies and things kind of similar to what you did, but, you know, something that I do with folks, if that's coming up, 
right? Is, you know, we deliver, obviously, here's what we would do to fix everything, right? The best way we know how. And then Mm -hmm. if it's not possible, what do we do? And I have like a prioritization framework, right? And so Mm -hmm. if we need to do that, then I help people sort of prioritize things. And it's just part of sort of the consult process with us. But it's like, listen, if you can only do, you know, a certain number of things, here are the areas that I think you might get the biggest bang for your buck on, right? right? On the exposure piece, right? And, And that's helpful. So I'm a I'm glad that you justified, um, I don't want to say justified, supported, validated, whatever. Um, <laughs> what I, what I, sometimes I don't know where the things I tell people come from, but it comes from talking to like you offline and other people offline. Like that's why it's in my head. And then I kind of forget where it came from. And then <laughs> I'm like, wait, did I just make this up or is this real? <laughs> no, right. like, well, I mean, a little bit of both. Uh, I mean, we're kind of, we, you build from your experience. Um, And I want to say all that with a big asterisk that also defending the doctors, that their perspective is they want to do the best for their patients. They want their patient to get better all the way and as quickly as possible. So the, where they're coming from is they don't want to be enabling a message or, you know, sending a message that the person doesn't really have to address the environment. You 100% have to address the environment. That's the way out of this. 50% of people are better just by doing environment and nothing else. So that is the big kahuna working with you, you know, working with a good remediator and getting the environment taken care of is absolutely the right thing to do and the most necessary step. That said, you may not be able to do all of it or do it perfectly or do it right away. And so what do we do in the meantime? And that's why I created this course is because there's lots and lots of people in that situation. And by not offering anything, we are actually setting them up to have a harder time to get better once they get out. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Cool. So, um, so let's not move to the next one. I feel like I just, we just did so long on that. This is going to be like a two hour long thing. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to try to be a better moderator. Um, okay. So no, I, it's fine. This one's going to be fast. Number two is air filtration. Yeah. I mean, you've talked a ton about that. So I don't know that we really need to go into that. It's just the, the game of clearing ultrafine particulates. I think my only big caution from my mold research is to avoid ozone at all costs. Um, I know there's a lot of ozone treatments out there too, like the fogging and things like that. Um, Ozone makes mycotoxins more toxic. Mycotoxins make ozone more toxic to your lung tissue. So I'm just very wary of anything that's going to be putting out any kind of ozone. Wow. I actually, I did not know that. Hold on. I'm, I'm literally writing that note down for myself. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so ozone makes mycotoxins more toxic. Mycotoxins to the make lung tissue mm-hmm. to, to the lung tissue. And then mycotoxins make ozone more toxic to the same thing. Yep. Yep. So when they tested lung tissue, um, ozone was bad. Mycotoxins was bad. We're bad <laughs> grammar. But when you put the two together, the sum was much greater than the parts on the damage that it did to the lung tissue. So together they're way worse. So, okay. I want to unpack this just a little bit. So is it that, is it that ozone actually does not break down mycotoxins and instead it makes them worse? Or is it that if you happen to breathe in ozone and mycotoxins at the same time, them combined creates a problem in your lungs? Um, I don't know that I know specifically that mechanism. I would guess that it is the combination I think ozone probably potentiates or bioactivates mycotoxins. 
either by allowing them to soak into the tissue faster or by creating a pre-existing inflammatory state, which then the mycotoxins can take advantage of. I'm not really sure, but it's the together um, part that makes, makes them both worse. Interesting. So I'm going to ask you another follow-up you may or may not know. Does, is, that, is that breathing ozone or is that like an ozone 10 pass, for example? Oh, great question. Um, so that was lung tissue. Got it. Okay. Yep. And our sinus tissue is different than our lung tissue. And so some people have said, wait, 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 why do you recommend ozone in the sinuses for treatment? And that's because they are completely different tissue type than the lung tissue. The, our sinuses don't have surfactant and they don't have a bunch of, you know, other things that the lung tissue has. So um, that, but you know, if you're breathing, you're not just breathing to your sinuses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think the first time I, I learned that was from you. You're breathing to lungs, you're breathing to gut all at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm writing all this ozone stuff down while we talk. Yeah. So <laughs> for air filters, I, I make sure to ask for independent um, validation, you know, so independent testing, not them testing their own machine, but they should um, pony up a an independent test on their ozone and that it should be within the, the ozone standards. And I have that on my YouTube video about how to choose an air filter, um, the organization which I'm blanking on right now. But there is an industry standard organization that monitors ozone output of machines, even copy machines output ozone. Um, oh, any electronic does. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. that's what people have to understand. It's not just an air filter issue, it's, a, it's an electronic issue, but certain air filters they add ozonation as part of the um, sterilization mm -hmm. and for a moldy environment that is the worst kind of air filter you can be putting in there god that's so good that's like such a good little gem um <laughs> yeah so i uh when it comes to air filters and stuff like people have heard me talk about it, i won't go crazy it's honestly it's all about the filtration size the particle size of filters down to all these other units that create ions and create stuff and that's usually where you're finding the ozone production is in those things more so than just a, a standard more filtration unit that's where you'll get more of that from um filtration is the most important piece because the the particles are what you're breathing that's getting into your system. So if you're removing the particle load as much as you can, then there's less obviously you're exposed to to breathe. And so that's why I would imagine in these nine things uh, to know that's, you know, kind of doing the first step on just kind of reducing overall exposure in the house as much as you can with the filter is something that's an, a quicker thing that you can do and at least have some level of impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Got Huge. it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I learn stuff from you every time I talk to you. Okay. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> um, all right. So number three is exposure right. reduction. So this is yeah. get out of the house. You're going to die, right? I mean, get out as much <laughs> as possible. Sorry. I'm kidding guys. I know. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> We're not feeding that negativity. I know. Yeah. yeah. So no, it's, um, it's obviously exchanging the air with outdoor air in its, if it's possible. There are some occupational situations where, or a hotel situation or a restaurant, you know, and they're like, I, there is no outdoor air coming into this place. There's no way to open windows. You know, what the heck do I do? And in those cases, I try to have my patients use a dehumidifier in their controllable space. So at least what they're doing is keeping the humidity level down. So a dehumidifier and an air filter in their space, if it's an office situation or something like that, that can help to, from you know, feeding, watering the mold that might be in that environment 
But another really cool biostasis technique, if you tolerate them, is using essential oils in your space. Essential oils have a very unique ability to not only be mold static, some of them are mold cytal, and what that means in medicine is mold static stops the mold from growing, mold cytal kills it. So it, it has like a mold stopping effect. But the other really cool thing that they do is they stop the mold's ability to make mycotoxins. So spores really? might be a problem. Mycotoxins might be a problem in the space. You can knock down one whole level of that, two whole levels actually, because we have you know spores, chemicals, and mycotoxins. Chemicals are made while mold is growing. It's just part of metabolism, you know, mold farts. Mm -hmm. And mycotoxins, as you know and your listeners know, are made in defense. So you can knock down the chemicals and the mycotoxins by stopping the mold growth and stunting its ability to defend itself with mycotoxins. So I have my patients, rather than adding humidity to the air, which you can do with some of these um, essential oil sprays, what I have them do is I put them on cotton balls, just the oil itself, or on an essential oil diffuser, and you can tuck the cotton balls into your problematic space. Um, let's say it's a, a base, or a, yeah, a base cabinet in a bathroom. You can tuck loaded cotton balls in the space and then seal that area off with plastic until you can get the remediation done. And now you've just done a biostasis with a containment in a small space. That's freaking crazy. What? Isn't that amazing? What and are the oils? That, for some people, they're just like, oh, wow, that really, that really cleared up my brain fog. Or, oh, wow, my, my pelvic pain and tinnitus are better. Or, oh, I'm not running to the bathroom as much since I did the biostasis thing. So, oh yeah, it's um, That's... Uh, all the things I have in my book. So cedar, so any of the pine family, cedar pine, um, any of the, the Jesus spices, I call it, frankincense, myrrh, <laughs> um, Rosemary, so a lot of our cooking herbs, so rosemary, basil, holy basil, ajwain, which is sort of like one of those cumin, coriander spices, um, cloves, eucalyptus, tea tree, and thyme. Thyme is, um, is what we use for Listerine, so it's a very good antiseptic, and it's also uh, an amazing, not only mold stopper, but bacteria and actinomyces stopper. So I like to use thyme in all of the mixes that we make because it has that mixed um, activity. Wow. And it's affordable. Wow, Frankincense really... gets a little expensive. God, yeah. I'm like literally writing so many notes. I know people are like listening like, Brian, why aren't you talking? Um, <laughs> sorry, guys. This is how I learn so I can talk to you guys. Selfishly, everyone that's listening – I really bring people like Jill on so I can learn more stuff that I can share with you guys. Um, so every now and then I take some notes. Uh, so bear with me, but no, that that's super, super cool. I didn't, I never even knew that. I didn't know the mechanism. I've heard of like antifungal, right. But mm -hmm. then the mechanism to, to actually stop mycotoxin production yeah. in, in yeah. an enclosed sort of isolated space like that is super awesome. That's really Isn't cool. Isn't it neat? And it's so, again, it's so empowering. It's like, okay, that's your problem space. You're not going to get that remediated in a long time. I mean, obviously, if it's like the wall on your headboard on your master bedroom, don't sleep there, you know. Um, but you can also then lay cotton balls along the base of that wall and then close the wall off with plastic, and you've just sort of created a, a containment area until you can afford to get to it. Wow. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, all and right. You need to be re re 
soaked every so often. So, you know, just kind of check in on them every so often of like, okay, does it smell like essential oils in here anymore? Or do they still look wet? Um, and if they don't look oily, then that means all of the oils have volatilized off and you need to just re-soak them. And like one cotton ball can hold about 20 to 30 drops of essential oil. Amazing. This is so cool. Yeah. God, everybody always asks, like, what are the things I could do in the meantime? And a lot of what you said is, you know, what I would say, you know, diluting the air. I always quote your quote that you took from Dr. Kernian. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I always say as... Dilution is dilution. Yeah. yeah. And I always say, as Jill says from Dr. It's like this whole, like, thing. I always say the same thing. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I always use that. Um, and then, obviously, air filtration. The other thing I talk about that could be helpful is is actually just doing a spring cleaning on steroid kind of concept in the house and just getting rid of as much of the dust as you can because yeah. that's what's carrying everything. So if you can get rid of some of that, then you won't breathe it in. But this, right. this piece is a cool thing too. That's awesome. Okay, cool. So <laughs> number four, which is low mold, high binder diet. So I know your book has a lot about what to eat, what not to eat, like a lot of that stuff. So, yep. um, yep. you know, we don't have to go like super into it, but maybe just general concept on this one. Yeah, I'm getting, I think I can kind of highlight the and on the low mold, it's things that um, are either fungus, so, you know, mushrooms, blue cheese, those kind of things need to go bye-bye. Um, so that's one category of foods that you want to avoid. You want to avoid foods that will be more prone to have mycotoxin contamination. And so that tends to be dried fruits, um, aged meats, aged cheeses. Um, some of the fruit, you know, once it starts to look a little funky, like grapes and raspberries, or if apples have that little white fuzz on them, that's fungus. So, you know, be aware of those. Um, grains can tend to be pretty contaminated with mycotoxins, corn, potatoes, soy. So some of those things that tend to be more mycotoxin contaminated to either reduce or cut out of the diet. And third category of those foods would be things that are so much rich in sugar that they're going to encourage candida or fungal overgrowth in your body. So that's the idea of a low mold diet. You're trying to get rid of fungus, mycotoxins, and things that feed fungus. But the high binder part is, I get, I've been getting a lot of questions about binders. You know, can I take them with food? Can I not take them with food? Why don't you talk about binders more? And it's because for myself as a, as a naturopathic doctor, we put so many of our patients on certain diets that are really high in insoluble fiber. And I think we talked about this last time. If you think about the path of a mycotoxin, once you, when you're in a water damage building exposure, so a moldy building, you're going to be breathing those toxins in. So they go into your bloodstream via the lungs. So they're not loose in your gut. So you don't need to bind them in your gut. What you're binding in your gut is the bile, because then once that mycotoxin is in your blood, it either goes to the kidneys to get peed out, or it has to go to the liver to get packaged into bile, and then the liver sends it down in this bile package. So we're binding bile. Insoluble fiber is the best binder of bile. It's the best binder of cholesterol. That's why even medical doctors, if someone has high cholesterol, they'll put them on a high fiber diet. There's a reason for that, because they're really good at binding. So the high binding part of it is things that are very high in this insoluble fiber. And that's going to be things like, you know, old school Metamucil, which is psyllium husk flax seeds, chia seeds, bran, not, not the whole oat, but the oat bran, because um, the oat will have the sugary part, the bran doesn't, the bran just has the stuff that grabs bile. 
And if somebody has SIBO, they can use SIBO-friendly things like sesame seeds, sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds. And I have done patients do up to two tablespoons of the fiber and then sprinkled throughout their meals with their meals because their meals are inducing the bile dump. And then the, the binder, which is fiber, grabs it when you eat. So, so is that, that it's very what uncomplicated. Then, <laughs> is that what then pushes us to the next number wherever this is about pooping? Does, is this what helps you get regular? Yeah. Got yeah. It. Or yeah. for some people, insoluble fiber can make them really constipated. And so that's where we use pre-binders, things that encourage more bile to be made or to make your bile more runny so that um, you bile is a great inducer of bowel movement. So you can use those pre-binders if someone is not going to the bathroom, we can, you know, that's in the duty is your duty section. We can just jump there because if someone's not pooping two number twos, two number twos every day, they will be recirculating that toxin back up to the liver. And that's what I call the, the definition of detox insanity. The liver's like, I, hey, bile, you just brought this back and I already packaged this. Now I got to unpackage it, repackage it and send it back down to the gut again. And then if you're constipated, the bile brings it right back up to the liver again. So we have this recycling of bile. The purpose of it was to save our fat-soluble nutrients like vitamin A and D and K. But what happens is that when you have a fat-soluble toxin like mycotoxins, they just get pulled back up into the liver. And every time the liver has to look at that, it uses nutrients. So it's just... Like so it depletes, down the liver. Mm -hmm. it depletes the nutrients, basically. It depletes them over and over and over again. So for me, binders are not a given until I know for sure that we can keep that person pooping. If they're not pooping, I use pre-binders before binders. And for some patients, they can't ever use up to two tablespoons of fiber because it's too constipating for them. But it's interesting, as we get them detoxed, they can handle more and more and more of it. What are some of the pre-binders? Pre-binders would be things like bile itself. You know, you can take ox bile, which is a more higher intervention thing. Um, the lighter intervention would be things that, like, taste the bitter. So there are a couple blends called Swedish bitters and bittersweet elixir. The taste of bitter on your tongue is what induces your body to make more bile. Um, bitter, the communication of bitter on your tongue communicates poison to the brain. And the brain says, uh-oh, we just ate a poisonous plant. Detox! And so it starts making a ton of fresh bile and pushing it down into the colon. And as it's making that bile, it's picking up any toxin that comes by in the blood because the signal was just sent to the brain that said, we just ate a poisonous plant. And so you're kind of like pushing the body into a forced detox in a healthy way. So that's cool. a simple thing you can do is take a little bit of bitter on your tongue before you eat. And some, you know, we, a lot of um, chefs know this, like they send out an arugula salad before the big greasy meal, you know, because it's going to help you digest and enjoy the meal better. Oh, interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Um, on the liver piece, just a couple more questions. So one, castor oil packs? Yeah. Benefit? No benefit? benefit. What does it do? Super big okay. benefit. Yeah, that's a thank you for asking that because so much of the time we focus on all these things that you're putting in your mouth. But you know, castor oil packs you put on your belly or over your liver, and they're very wonderful, gentle detoxifiers that people can 
do, you know, at night before they go to bed or a, a lot of my patients, they just wipe the castor oil on over their liver and then go to bed with a t-shirt that you don't mind getting icky. Um, and that's about as easy as it gets, you know, while you're brushing your teeth with one hand, rub your castor oil in the other, if you can do that <laughs> at the same time, and then just put a t-shirt on and go to bed. And then you've, you've done your detox assistance and you didn't have to put anything in your mouth. So I actually sleep with a castor oil pack on. Um, mm. I, I forget. Um, I mean, I was doing it every night and then, you know, I had a baby and forget to sleep. So I, right. I do it when I remember. Um, but, uh, it was the queen of thrones one. Do you know that one? No. So there's this, um, this part of this brand is queen of thrones. Cause it, cause it's heat activated, right? That's how the castor mm -hmm. oil works. Right. Mm -hmm. So like if you're just doing castor oil on yourself, don't you have to put like a heat pack on it if you're going to do that for it to work? Mm, not necessarily. I mean, okay. the, the body heat can do it too. Got it. Yeah. That's what this one does. It's like, it comes with a wrap. So you don't have to like put like a flannel or something over it and it kind of oh, ties, nice. ties around your abdomen and it ties and stays there. And then it kind of like traps in your body heat too. That's kind of the mechanism mm -hmm. on how it works. Um, if I don't notice any sort of difference when I'm doing it and sleeping all night with it, like, would you, would someone notice it or just something, you know, that's helping behind the scenes? A lot of people don't notice it. Okay. Yeah. And that's actually why it's so nice because for super, super sensitive people, it's, um, something, it's a way to detox that they can usually handle without having any bad herxine reaction. So it's pretty common to not notice anything. You're like, why am I even doing this? <laughs> right. um, and, you know, you might notice little things like um, fatigue improves, but it's so subtle. Your vision might improve, but it's really subtle. Um, skin might clear up, but it's really subtle. You know, it's all these little subtle signs that are showing up in multiple different places. But the same thing's happening, right? Like you're detoxing out of your liver, but it ties back to the bile conversation. So you're, if you're not yep. pooping, you're recirculating. Right, right. And what, what the casserole pack is doing is pushing the bile from the, the little lacteals that come off of the gut back to the liver. So there's no backup in the system. So oh, okay. it's a perfect time to do it at night because our liver is the most active at night while we sleep it, oh, cool. on, the, on the detox side. Because all day we're eating, and so it's having to deal with managing blood sugar and assimilating nutrients and all of the things it's doing during the day because we're in a fed state. When we go into a fasting state and a resting state, that's when it can work on detox. So doing castor oil before you go to bed helps deliver all the gunk that's been you know, backed up in the channel so the liver can clean it all up. And then you don't get as much bioaccumulation of the toxin. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so my last question on the poop stuff. Enemas. Good. Yeah. Bad. I mean, coffee enemas are a wonderful way to detox as well. They're a little more um, aggressive than a castor oil pack. Sure. Um, yeah. I'm afraid to do it. I don't even like... You, I know. You can't find a video on how to do it because no one's going to show a video of themselves doing it, right? So then it's like, <laughs> am I actually doing this right? Like, I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'm ready to try this yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, actually, Dr. Jill Carnahan has a great coffee enema kit that has good instructions and everything. She oh, cool. imports it from from Europe, and um, the kit is really easy to use, and also it's clean coffee. So that's where I send, like, doctors who take my course, and then, you know, people in my membership and stuff, I send them to her website, because it's just a really well-put-together package, and it makes it so easy. Oh, super so cool. That might it be a way to go. <laughs> nice. I'm going to be talking to her and. Maybe a month or so, I think. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, like, hey, hey I heard you have this really awesome 
enema pack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the only thing with coffee enemas that I see is that then when people do it and they're like, oh my gosh, I felt so much better, and then they can overdo it. So our body does need certain nutrients to make bile that we can deplete if you're doing too much bile pushing. Um, so, you know, anything more than once a week as a detox, in my experience, has been more depleting than than helpful. Good to know. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so let's backtrack off of this. So we skipped prevent colonization. So let's talk about this a little bit. So what do you mean here? So colonization, when, when the moldy building moves into you and you become the moldy building. Yes. Um, I, I use your quote all the time on this. All the time. <laughs> you become the moldy building. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I see that a lot. Like people say, I can't, this can't be from 20 years ago when I was in my college housing, can it? And I'm like, yep, because you became the moldy building. It moved in. And so the way to prevent that is to use nasal sprays because that's our first interaction with a moldy building is through our, you know, that's the gate to our respiratory system. Mm -hmm. So if we use nasal probiotics, we're helping to encourage a healthy microbiome and defend against the mycotoxins changing your microbiome into a bad colony. And if you're really, so anyone should be doing, you know, if you're still in mold and it's going to be a while, the probiotics I think would be for pretty much everybody. But if you have sinus symptoms, then I would use more like a homeopathic nasal spray to, as a, like a morning thing, and then you do your probiotics at night or so alternating. Um, to make sure that if you already are symptomatic, you are getting more and more invaders um, and your body's telling you that with the symptoms. And so then I recommend using something, either that or, you know, if someone has a lot of allergies or something like that, I love propolis. Is that, yeah, I was going to ask. So like, so it's a, it's like a nasal specific probiotic. Is that what you're talking about? Like propolis? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nasal specific. Yeah. And it's from the... Um, it's from kimchi. <laughs> Got it. So actually in, um, in Korea, I have a friend who's Korean. Whenever they get a sinus infection, they snort kimchi juice, which sounds oh, interesting. really painful to me. But um, yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah. just kimchi, kimchi, not the hot kimchi. But, I yeah. mean, I, um, I, my daughter got me sick because, you know, you send your kid to school and uh, mm-hmm. they come back with all the things. And so I was sick last week. For like a whole week. So frustrating. She's sick for like three days and I'm sick for like an entire week. So frustrating. <laughs> um, and uh, at the end of it, it started turning into like a sinus thing, right? And then I lost my voice for three days. At the end, It was, it was great. But oh, um, so like I was doing like neti pots, right? To kind of help with that. Um, I don't know exactly where I'm going with this, but is it like the same kind of idea that you're like washing stuff out or is like a spray more of something that is going to like stay in there and continue to kind of work for you? Is that kind of what's happening? It's kind of the same. I mean, a neti versus a spray is kind of, sort of the same idea. Um, and the, the probiotics you do as a neti pot usually. Or oh, a, you do you know. them as a neti pot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. And is this something that you can do as like a maintenance sort of thing? Or do you need to, like, when would you be doing like a nasal probiotic? And when would you not be? Um, I, That's a good question. I think when you know, like when you have little kids, like in your situation, I would do them at the first sniffle in the child. Like not only on the child, but like for yourself is what I'm talking about. Like to protect yourself, sort of like how we use gut probiotics. If someone around is getting sick, either with a fever or something, it's like, that's a really good time to take your probiotic. 
just like a little vitamin A, a little probiotic, and probably some fermented food if you're not mold sick, and um, try to boost up your immune system. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so when you say colonization, you're basically saying that the mold is growing in your sinus. Is that what you're saying? The mold wants to. It wants to move in there, and and then that also seeds your gut. So I generally have people do a probiotic in their in their sinuses as a preventive, and then some sort of gentle whole body antifungal um, that would be, and we kind of pick it for the person to see how strong their constitution is. So that's where it gets it a little bit into the art of it, um, but just to, to try to make sure that. If there is any mold that wants to seed or even change the flora of the sinuses, that's going to affect the whole tube. So we want to make sure we're addressing the whole tube. Got it. All right. We got three left. And then maybe yeah. if we have a few minutes, we've, we've, had, we've had a couple troopers in here that have stayed. We can maybe do I some know, questions. I know. They're doing such a good job. I know. It's so awesome. Them. So, guys, thank you for hanging out. <laughs> Um, we'll get to you here shortly. I'm going to try to speed through these last three. Um, although I have actually, I'm it's so funny. I'm like, I'm personally curious about all this stuff. So then I ask follow-up questions, which I know <laughs> was not in the original agreement with your PR team. Um, okay. So next is protect, right? So this is more of like supplementation and things like that. Yep. And those are going to be things that they give to animals knowing full well, they're going to be in a moldy barn or eating moldy food. Um, they feed these, they add those to the animal feed. Um, things such as bioflavonoids, uh, that's the colorful pigment in fruits and vegetables, um, things like green tea, turmeric. It's the things I talk about in the protect section of my book. Got it. Um, DHA, that's a big one. That fish oil is a big, big protector against mycotoxin invasion into the cells. So DHA can preserve your, your brain function, but also protect the cells is called cytoprotective. So cyto meaning cell. Um, DHA is a big one. So is green tea. Those are two biggies. So yeah, that would be the, should I do anything? If you're going to do a supplement, I think definitely those things have been shown to protect animals from exposure. Um, since I'm a naturopathic doctor and I've used a lot of these tools in people, uh, I just did the translational research of like, well, if they were giving animals this much that's probably, you know, this many milligrams per kilogram. That's probably translating to this many milligrams per kilogram of a human. Got it. Yeah. You're just kind of doing like a weight thing or something like that? Yeah, it's a little bit different. Like, you know, it depends on if what kind of animal they did. If it's a chicken versus a rat versus a mouse. Yeah. So there's some, there's some drug um, translational conversions that we can use. Got it. That's yeah. cool. What about general supplementation vitamins not specific to like the mycotoxin piece you mentioned vitamin a i think you mentioned k a minute ago like are there certain things that we should just be taking all the time mm, food <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i just think so many people are trying to supplement their way out of a junky diet and you just can't you know, the time it would have taken you to get online and order that supplement, get up and go steam some kale or saute some broccoli or, you know, steam some carrots or something like that. Like, or even just chomping on a raw carrot instead of making that supplement order. Um, I really, really want to emphasize for people, food, 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 food. Now you can have the perfect diet and be in mold and your body is plowing through those nutrients. So you know, I can speak to the mold thing. I think that being on some sort of essential fatty acid, so the fish oil type um, range, 
some sort of vitamin D because we know now that mold blocks vitamin D and then some sort of bioflavonoid or bioflavonoid mix. I think those are just good hearty overall things to help. And then if there's something where then we can get into the tweaking, you know, if you're chemically sensitive, maybe something for your liver and detox. If you're really neurologically affected, then certainly some B complex. So that's where we get into the individualization individualization. But Got I would it. say, you know, a, a good healthy fat, some vitamin D, and some bioflavonoids, those are things we know that mold will plow through or block. Got it. Okay, so one more question on the body not um, or, or being depleted of some of these things because of mold. Does that, is that correlating to weight? Like if somebody can't gain weight, sorry, I cut out for a second. If, if somebody is like having a hard time gaining weight, does that mean that that's because they're being nutrient depleted or is that not what that means? <laughs> um, a little more complicated than that. Um, the depleted thing can be with somebody who is overweight as well. Um, so depletion doesn't necessarily always mean body weight. Um, and quite frankly, I think that it's the other way. I see a lot of people who have overweight problems, you know, meaning their body fat percentage is high, who have a lot of nutrient depletions. And that's why the body is doing that in its wisdom is having to stockpile and store things until it can deal with it later. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, cool. So we got a couple left. So we have detox or not to detox. So let's summary on this one. Yeah. So the, the, we had a great conversation in our last podcast about the accumulation versus detoxification meter in your body. So if you think about sort of a, um, half circle meter and there's this, this needle that can bounce from left to right and it wants to be right at true North. It wants to be at that 50, 50 place which means that if we have accumulation on one side and detoxification on the other side of that needle, that means that as exposures come in and it tips the needle to accumulation of the toxin, once the body is away from that toxin or, or once it ramps up detoxification, it can ramp up detoxification and get back over to the detox side for a little while and then come back to center. So the body's always wanting to do this like, okay, I'm going to try to, you know, if you were exposed to, I don't know, pollution, let's say you went into the city and you got exposed to pollution and then your body ramps up the detoxification um, nutrients and then your the needle pops over to detoxification for a little while until it can come back and it, you know, it can catch up with the pollution you're exposed to and it comes back to true north right in the middle. Being in a moldy environment puts you into a perpetual accumulation side and we want to push the needle back to true north so that we can keep up with the detoxification. But if we push you too far, the de- when your body is in the needle of detoxification, you can have a lot of Herx-type symptoms. Pain, brain fog, mood problems, sleep issues, um, gut problems, all that kind of stuff. So we want to really, whether to detox or not to detox while you're still in mold, from my experience, I try to have people doing gentle detoxification without going too far. So like I, I wouldn't have them necessarily do really frequent coffee enemas um, while they're in mold because that sends to the body a message of, woohoo, we're in detox, let's go. 
And unfortunately, then it will find way more toxin than it was expecting <laughs> to dump, and it will have some symptoms. Um, and that goes into kind of the, the ninth step, things like um, sauna therapy. Like doing a sauna every day, you might feel horrible with that because it's asking too much of a body that's already having to deal with a daily accumulation. A weekly sauna could feel great, but a, a daily sauna might be just too much. And that's one of the things that I'm seeing as a, as a trained naturopathic doctor with a lot of experience with some of these measures. Some of the people that come to me that I'm doing consultations with, they're just doing way too much detox. It's like you, part of detox is the nourishment part. Detox is supposed to be an on-off, on-off, not a continued thing. And if you aren't giving the off part, you're not giving your body a chance to rest because accumulation also means accumulating nutrients. So if you're in detox mode all the time, you might be depleting yourself of nutrients. Yeah, that's a good one because a lot of people, I mean, saunas are a big thing that people see um, of things to do to help. But yeah, I mean, it's why you need to, There's we talk a lot and share what we can, right? But it's, it's really why you need to work with somebody who's like looking at you specifically, right? Because there's like, these high-end concepts of yes, detoxing works. This works, but like it's it, it all needs to be tailored to you, right? Like where are you, right. right? What what can we do and not do, you know? So, um, yeah. and listening to your own body, if you know, if your body is saying, "Whew, this is a lot," okay, it just told you that, you know, this is a lot. So take a break. You can always take something away and see if it was improving the situation or making the situation worse. And that doesn't mean throw the whole thing out. Um, necessarily, but probably just back off a little a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in the, in that, you know, number eight, I talk about in the course things like, what are things that we can give you? What are the primary components of making good bile? What are the primary components of feeding your microbiome and your sinus biome? What are the things that we can provide that are nutritive and allow your body to move that needle into the detox in its own way at its own pace? Yeah, that's great. And and just one thing for folks listening. So I know we talked a lot about this stuff, right? And this this happens like on our end too. It's like, oh, we got, we learned everything we need off of this podcast. <laughs> we, right. <laughs> like, like we've been talking for about an hour, but I've been talking for probably 25, 30 minutes of that hour, right? So like, so, and I'm not the one that's, that's coming with all of this stuff. So, you know, that that's why we create these things to help. And, and one thing, you know, with this course, with what you're talking about, like, and the same thing, like with me, with Ermi code that I just put out, like these things we're putting out, we're trying to put things out that are affordable, right? Mm -hmm. Where you can get a hold of it and get actionable information that you can do things off of, which is not the equivalent of going to a doctor that doesn't take insurance and spending $600 to see somebody for 30 minutes. Right. So, you know, something like this, um, I mean, you got, I'm learning things on this, right? So like, you know, for those of you that are listening, if I'm learning things on this and I'm literally talking to all these people all the time, I am sure there's all kinds of value in here that we haven't even talked about, right? So um, I would encourage everyone to go check it out. I put the link here uh, in the clubhouse room um, that people can see, but obviously people on the podcast later are not going to see this. So, so where do they, um, where can somebody come and check out the course? Yep, they can go to my website. It's drkrista.com, D-R-C-R-I-S-T-A.com, in the courses tab at the top. Right awesome. There. Yeah. Cool. 
So um, if you have a couple minutes, I know we're like at an hour, but I, I know we have a couple of folks in here. Do, do I, does anybody in here have any questions like for me or, me or Jill that we could jump on? And if not, that's okay too if you don't feel like chatting. But if you do, that's the fun part of being able to do the podcast live now is that we can yeah. do little interaction things. Um, all right, we got a hand raise in here. I'm gonna, we're going to bring uh, Rebecca up here. So here we go. She's going to pop up in, in here in a minute. Hey, Rebecca, what's going on? Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you great. Yeah. Oh, hey, guys. Um, I'm actually in Jill's membership, so Rebecca. I'm cheating with another question for her. <laughs> um, thanks for doing this. I need to hear this stuff like over and over again. Um, so, yeah, it was great. I mean, I, I've taken the course... Um, but this was really helpful too, just listening to it again. But I do have a question about the, the bitters and the bile, and you mentioned like over detoxing, um, would take, is it possible to take too much of the Swedish bitters, like too many times per week, too many meals? It's possible, but not probable if you have mold sickness. Yeah. I mean, I have some patients that will take two teaspoons before breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then, like, in between if they feel a little bit sluggish in their digestion. So bitters, I think you're pretty flexible with. Great. That was my only question from all of that. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. That makes me feel good. Like, you got got it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks for coming in and and sticking around and asking and being a part of it. This is cool. Um, All right. Uh, here, here we go. Here comes another one. God, this is the fun game. I love doing these things. Okay, let me <laughs> let me get you up here. By the way, yeah. while you're while you're pulling the next person, Becca is part of the membership, and um, we have Q and A sessions and member shares and stuff every month. And that's how I, I can see her face in my mind right now as she was talking. Um, it's really nice to be able to connect with people and help them. And they are so they're such an amazing group of people. And supporting each other, going through this journey together, and it's just really beautiful to see. So I'll put a little plug in for the members. Um, they are incredible. That's actually great. Neri, one second, please. Um, for people that don't know what you're talking about, you just want to give a quick, like, 30 seconds on what that is? Oh, sure. And maybe Becca can speak about that, too. Um, it is a, it's a monthly membership where we have – it's built within my website. So you, it once you log in and become a member, there – the interaction is sort of like Facebook. It kind of has a feed like that. But there are also discussion groups you can join. And then there's a bunch of resources there that are for members only. I have um, mycotoxin fact sheets for each mycotoxin. So you can know like what kind of mold is it from? What does it look like? What organ systems is it affecting with me? What do people do for it? That kind of thing. So just there's that's an example of some of the resources people can get with inside the membership. Um, you get to see me cooking in my kitchen. If that, if you're a recipe person and I don't know if there's anything that Becca wants to mention about it, but it's really, and I think the greatest resource is each other, you know, so they're helping each other as well, um, with a slightly moderated, um, feed by, by me. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, when we first launched Mulfinders method, we included, uh, uh, a free month for folks who actually enrolled in, in our, in our course that teaches you how to find mold in your house into yours, because there's just such value in there. So I think that's super cool. Um, okay. Sorry. So, so Neri, am I pronouncing this right? 
Yes, you got it right. <laughs> yes, victory. All right, what's going on? <laughs> hey guys, um, I just I had a question about ozone. Um, I was wondering if it would be useful for maintaining uh, a mini split unit clean rather than pre for preventing basically mold growth. I, ha I they're very hard to clean, and I recently found a device that uses ozone for maintenance. Um, so I was wondering what you thought of that. Yeah, personally, I'm not a big fan of using ozone for stuff like that because, I mean, first off, what we just heard Jill say earlier, but aside from that, ozone is very corrosive and it doesn't just target mold or toxins or anything. It's like anything in its path, it starts deteriorating, right? So if we're starting to push that into a unit, into a system, then there's seals in that system. There are things that are going on in that system that are supposed to you know, kind of protect it from other areas and you're gonna start breaking that stuff down and, and ultimately, and you know, I think you end up starting to compromise the system in its entirety if you're pumping that in too much. Um, so I wouldn't really do that. I know that mini splits are not like the easiest thing to maintain, um, but uh, you know, with those guys, it's, taking the front filter off, getting to the coil, you can, you know, cleaning the coil at that point where you can, um, and, and obviously getting into like where the vents are and making sure that everything looks good there. And then with the mini split, there's also your condenser on the outside, right? That's the kind of, it's usually like right on the other side of the house or something, wherever that is. So just trying to make sure that functionally they work. The thing with air conditioning units and whether it's a mini split, split or like a full central system or whatever, is that the reason that mold starts growing in them is because the system is failing. That's why it starts happening, right? So the, the, the water from the, from the coils aren't, aren't getting moved away from the system properly. It's increasing the humidity in the system. Now mold can grow, things like that, right? Most HVAC systems, air conditioning systems, all of these, you know, the mini splits, all the different versions, the PTACs, all these things, most of them are not impacted by source growth in the system. Most of them are impacted by cross-contamination from sources that are in other places, right? And so if we know that cross-contamination basically moves through, is particle that's essentially moving through a space and, and, and basically settling in dust reservoirs and, and collecting there, then simply keeping them clean, right? And getting rid of the dirt and the dust buildup that's in them is going to be a really huge piece of that. So I, I would lean more towards making sure everything is clean in there on a regular basis versus trying to like spray something in there that's going to prevent stuff that's not necessarily happening yet. Gotcha. Thank you so much. Yeah, no worries. Thanks. All right. Well, um, I think that wraps us up for now. This was, in my opinion, a very um, successful first uh, live podcast episode. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I would say. So this is exciting. So this is going to be episode 100 on the podcast. I'll probably get it up in the next couple of days or so. But um, this is super cool and super fun. So thank you. Thank you, Jill, for joining me. Thank you, uh, everyone who popped in and out during the time and some of the questions we got at the end. I love this. I love interacting with people in this way. Um, I think this is going to be super fun moving forward. Nice. Hey, congratulations, 100. That's a big accomplishment. Ugh. That's crazy. I can't even. It's, it's nuts. <laughs> I remember when I was doing like three a week. Now it's like, you know, with, with a baby screaming at me all the time, it's a little different. Right. Oh, hey, Corey Levy has something to say. Welcome to the room. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the room. Co-founder of We Inspect, oh, hey, Corey Levy. Corey's here. Here, let's, let's get him in. 
He's coming up. I was just wrapping up, and now, and now here comes here comes Corey, fashionably late. Um, trying to get him up here. There he is. What's up? Hey, hey. Hey, Corey. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. How are you, Dr. Jill? I am good. Nice to hear your voice. Nice to hear your voice. Are you doing well? Family's good? Yeah, Everybody's we're doing good? fantastic. Yes, thank wow. you. Awesome. So glad to hear that. I know it's been a while since you and I caught up and I just stepped out of a meeting and remember that you guys were doing this. I thought I'd see if you were still at it. <laughs> of course we are. We're very, we're both very verbose people. <laughs> I know we never shut up. Like everyone knows if, if you put me and Jill in a room, we're talking for three hours. <laughs> the two of your combined knowledge together, I'm sure can fill a room for, for days and days and days. I always enjoy listening to the two of you talk. So, um, you know, I, uh, I appreciate all the knowledge you guys share with everybody. Oh, thank you. Thanks, man. Hey, listen. Hey, I like do- your picture on the Ermi code. Make <laughs> <laughs> you guys thank in you. your gear. It's good. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's now the was- only picture that we have of each other together. Yeah. So that's the go to. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Good. It's very, it shows you really, you know, it's very tech. We can trust yes. you. You know what you're doing. You're wearing the gear. <laughs> We were hey, we we were in it. We were actually inspecting a home that day, so we yeah. were doing it. It's, it was it's a, a real photo. It was a real client's house, a real deal. It was all happening day off. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, so we so you just jumped on. Um, I have like maybe five minutes. Um, you, Corey, you've never been a part of this yet. Jill, you could jump in too if you want. Do you guys want to do like a parent corner segment real quick? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna start. I <laughs> like. So, so my daughter's three, my son is three months for everybody that doesn't know, which is so freaking weird. So, so by the way, Corey co-founder, we inspect my, so the, 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 you know, my partner and everything that we're doing, he and I had a baby within four weeks of each other just recently. So, um, which was great for trying to run a company during that time. Um, but yeah, so that was a good time. So we both have, I have a three month old, Corey has a two month old and some change now at this point. Um, so I, I am now learning what life is like with two, um, and it is way, way different and way more difficult. And my three-year-old is like demanding attention at all times and screaming and yelling and all the things that she never used to do. And on top of it, I just mentioned before, so Corey, you have this to look forward to whenever it comes time for her, for him to start going you know, it's like daycare and stuff. Just get ready to be sick all the freaking time. And I'm so, I pay money to send her to this school, right? For her to get sick, bring it back to me, spread it around the house. And then for her to miss like a week of school, I'm paying for all of this to happen. I just can't, it's hard for me to wrap my head around this. It's just very frustrating. Mm. <laughs> well, look, you know what? If you think about it and, and maybe, maybe Dr. Maybe Dr. Jill's going to say something different here, but... You're you're paying to build your son's immune system, right? Because you're exposing him early on to some bad things that he will have to learn to fight in the future, uh, or go. or you're paying to for, to get everybody sick, whichever way you want to look at it. But maybe <laughs> it's it, there's <laughs> there's a there's a positive to that. Hopefully, so. you know what you should start doing is just start bringing art into inspections. <laughs> Just expose him to mold at a really young age. Yeah, oh, no. yeah, that's a bad idea. Well, 
Look, you didn't say that she was getting sick from mold. I no, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If she's getting sick from mold, then you need to pull her out of the school. That's no, that's, conversation. that's true. That was that was the first thing I did. I was like, hey, guys, I want to come check out the room. And I like I just want to see where she's learning and stuff. And you better believe I freaking rolled through that room looking at stuff. Like, I just want to make sure there's nothing going on in here <laughs> that, that is causing oh, yeah. a bigger problem. We actually did not put her in a, in a school because I walked into the school and, and the front entryway of the school, there was a roof leak coming down an entire wall that was like a 30 foot wall, it felt like. I was like, nope, out of this place. Yeah. Didn't yeah. go look. Turn around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I don't actually, know. Um, I was the parent who brought air filters to the classroom. I donated our, oh. an air filter to the classroom. That's how. Uh, Good for you. Yeah. yeah. It's great. The other parents should be thanking you. They don't even know. They should have been. They don't even you. know. And the teachers were like, "Wow, I feel really good this year." And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> "I think Funny. I might know why." Yeah. Uh, that's crazy. So, Corey, what's what's the uh, the you're two months in now, or two months and some change? What's like what's like the one big massive thing that you feel? like? Well, I mean, he slept for seven hours last night, so like Whoa. that yeah. was that was huge. Um, it's, it hasn't been that for a while. Um, so, you know, getting sleep for, for oh, th- thoroughly, my wife is middle of the night duty still, cause she's still breastfeeding. Um, and I've been, you know, capping nighttime feed and, and morning feeds with him. But last night she got to sleep in. So Dara has been running around the house all happy this morning because, uh, she got a <laughs> seven, <laughs> seven hours of sleep on it. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, you, there are times when you want to pull your hair out and there are times when you can't imagine not, not having him and never realizing you could love something so much in your life. And I've had all the emotions in the past two and a half months and it's at the end of the day, just the most amazing thing, you know? Yeah. So Jill, yours are a little older. So, so what are we looking, what are we looking ahead to? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Mine are 21 now. I have 21-year-old twins, so it's been a very long time since I was where you guys are right now. (laughs) Oh, man. You had twins? I didn't know they were twins. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's crazy. How was that? Did you have any other ones, or those were the you had the twins and that was it? Yeah, no, that's enough. I was a (laughs) solo parent, so that was uh, plenty. (laughs) Trying to do two by myself was... uh... I can't yeah. even imagine. I can't even imagine having two of the baby thing going on. Like it's it's enough having one toddler or one baby. I can't even imagine having two of the yeah. baby thing going on. Well, you know, nursing was very efficient. I had like a little horseshoe pillow and everybody ate at the same time. I was like, and I can remember thinking, what would I have done if I had three? You know, <laughs> where would the other one go? I don't know. But yeah, it's um, it's a whole other, twins is a whole other experience. I mean, that's been thing for us. We, I, I've always kind of wanted three. And now after the second one, I'm like, I can't imagine a third one. Like we would be outnumbered. Like right now we divide and conquer some nights. <laughs> like, what do you do with the third one? Who's handling that one? Like yeah. just running around on their own. I don't know. So I, I don't know if three's in the books now that we're, now that we're into two, but that was, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I know hormones do weird things with your brain that you start thinking that that's a good idea at some point. But I always say to people, never get outnumbered by your kids. <laughs> so get like get like a sister wife and then get a yeah, third kid. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, well, we'll end it on that. Exciting, you guys. That's so exciting, Corey. Congrats! I didn't realize that you just had your baby. 
Oh, he just, he popped off. He left, yeah, him. and I've got to go actually too. So Yeah, I got to um, go too. So this works yeah. out. All right. Yeah. Thank you everyone for spending some time with us. Thank you, Jill. We'll obviously talk to you soon. Have a great one. Yeah, sounds good. Bye. Bye. So that's it for today's show, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and subscribe and give a rating wherever you get your podcasts. It'll help spread the word to those who really need it the most. 